I've experienced it a lot with, you know, my, my journey from being a teacher and not having a lot of time, having the intensity of doing the real estate with the kids, my own kids, plus teaching, I didn't have an abundance of time. And so I didn't have my true purpose being felt. Welcome to the Quiet Wealth Podcast, where we talk about money mindset, how not to be broke, simple step-by-step strategies to conquer your finances, and the entrepreneurial spirit that will get you there. Your host, Camilla Jeffs, has been a student of money for over 20 years. She started out broke and has built real wealth for her family through steps you can copy. Camilla is on a mission to help thousands of people just like you build true financial stability. Welcome to the Quiet Wealth Podcast. I'm so excited that you guys have joined us today. And I'm super excited to have my really good friend, Sia Senior here. She is amazing. Let me tell you a little bit about her background. Sia is a real estate investor. She empowers others to achieve financial independence through education and connections. She's a girl after my own heart. Sia started her journey in real estate investing alongside her husband in 2005 while she was working as a math teacher. So she's really smart, everybody. (laughs) 10 years later, she left the security of her W-2 and became a full-time real estate investor. Sia's experience includes house hacking her first property. We have that in common flipping eight properties and buying and self-managing multiple properties to hold long-term. Her portfolio also consists of a 16-unit asset that's acquired through a JV partnership. Sia is a principal at Arrowhead Capital, which is a real estate firm that acquires multifamily assets in the mid-Atlantic and Southeast. She and her husband are committed to providing investment partners with excellent opportunities, which allow them to passively create generational wealth and enhance the apartment communities of the residents. So Sia, welcome. So happy to have you here. Camilla, thank you. It's awesome to be here. That That's, that's a nice bio, huh? <laughs> That's a pretty good bio. I'm excited. I'm happy about it. Like, who's that? Good for you. <laughs> it's you. It's you. Just own it. <laughs> so, see, I'm so happy to have you here. I'm happy to chat with you. We've been friends for a while, and we have been in an accountability group together, which, by the way, if you are listening, accountability groups are so fantastic. If you can find one to be part of, like, if you can find a group of people that are willing to talk openly about their financial situation, about their goals, and where they're headed in life, it's so inspiring and so helpful. And, and so, see, I want to start off and really ask, what is your definition of wealth? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, I think there's so many different things that we see out, right? We see financially wealth with financially wealthy people. And I think for me, what I've come to understand wealth to be is really to have an abundance of something. So abundance of finances, abundance of time, an abundance of relationships with people. So for me, wealth is really an abundance and it can be in any of those categories. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, wealth encompasses so much more than money. And I think one of the things that, you know, through this podcast that we're talking about, we're talking about quiet wealth, but we're also, we're we're talking, it's expanded. It's more than just money, right? Because we want to make sure that we incorporate our health, our time, our freedom, our family, right? Like you can be wealthy in your family. You can be wealthy in your time. It's just so important. So why do you think it's a good thing to go after wealth in your life? Well, I think for me, it's important to really have, when you're able to go after wealth in a a good, in a good way, it allows you to have opportunities that you may not have thought about. Right. And so having an abundance of 
finances or time allows you to really be intentional about where you spend your time, your money on goals that you have or things that you desire, right? Your true purpose. And so for me, it's important, you know, and I think it's once we work on getting the wealth that we want, whatever it happens to be, we're able to be more, you know, our true selves and what we're really here, you know, on this planet to be able to do. So for me, that's the most important thing. And I think once we get to that point, we're able to really have a great, the impact that we want, which I really love. So, you know, I've experienced it a lot with, you know, my, my journey from being a teacher and not having a lot of time, having the intensity of doing the real estate with the kids, my own kids, plus teaching, I didn't have an abundance of time. And so I didn't have my true purpose being felt. And so once I was able to financially secure that, I'm able to spend time volunteering at different places, different churches, different organizations, giving my time to my community. I do a webinar to just help people in terms of educating them about real estate or just investing in general. And those things would not happen without the wealth that I've been able to accumulate to give me the time freedom that I want or spend time with people in a manner that helps them as well. Oh, I love it. I love it. We're all about impact here too. I mean, there's there's so much impact that you can achieve. And I think back to when I was living paycheck to paycheck, and I'm sure you had very similar experience, right? Because Absolutely. when you're living paycheck to paycheck, life becomes all about money, right? right. But I don't believe that life is, should be, all about money, right? It, it's right. it's more, it's about family. It's about love. It's about relationships. It's about impact that you can create. But if you're so stuck, if you're stuck in the money game, then it, it it's all encompassing, you know, there's right. not much you can do right. about that. You're right. Like the burden of financially trying to, you know, accomplish the bills and things that you have, right? That burden really takes away attention from the things that really matter to you. You know, and so if you're able to release that burden, get your finances in order, then you can actually spend time, as you said, you know, really connecting with the people that you love, care, goals that you have, you know, commitments and opportunities that you want to be able to pre present to other people. And so I totally agree with that. Awesome. So how now, now here's the thing we're trying to help people get there, right? So how do we help people get to the the wealth thing? And I truly believe that 80% of it is mindset. It's, it's in our minds, right? It's in our brains. Yeah. It's in the, the, you know, the narratives that we have told ourselves or the narratives that we've heard from other people growing up, because it's right. a, we're in a different game right now than what our parents were in. Yeah. So talk to me about mindset for you, Sia, what is you know, one or some of the money mindsets that were a struggle for you and how did you actually get through it so you could allow yourself to create this abundance in your life? Right. Well, the first one, I think, I mean, I had a couple because, you know, growing up, we were pretty, I would say, you know, we had a humble beginnings. And so there wasn't a lot of money around. And so you have the first idea of like, oh, you know, money is going to grow on trees. And so what that meant to me was like, okay, there, you don't have money just to kind of do whatever you want. Like every dollar is assigned to something. And sometimes there's not enough dollars for what you really want to do because these other obligations have to be there. Right. And so, you know, there are times when maybe I wanted to go on a trip. I couldn't go on a trip. There were times when, you know, I wanted to go hang out with my friends, but but there wasn't enough extra money to do that. Like, you know, fed, clothes, housing, all that stuff was taken care of, but the extra things we couldn't do. I mean, there's certain things I could do and I had to really choose. So it was like, did you want to play on a softball team and have to deal with, you know, the expenses that go with that? Or did you want to go out with your friends on the weekend, that kind of stuff, right? So those types of things where there was limitations that I had to deal with. And so that was the first mindset 
that I had to kind of overcome as I got older. And how did I overcome that? Really just working hard, grinding, recognizing that like, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, but there's a way to grow money, right? And to do it without necessarily exchanging my time. And it took some time because obviously, as you saw, like in the bio, I started teaching and I was teaching since 1996 and I didn't stop teaching until 2015. So during that time, I was working and intentionally you know, as we started doing real estate investing, purposely taking the cash that we had, the active income and putting it into investments so that I could slowly, <laughs> but surely free up the time that I wanted, you know? And so it didn't grow on trees, but it did grow from itself, you know, and having it work for itself, as opposed to me having to work for the money, you know, and slowly, you know, peeling away at that. And so that was the, the, first biggest mindset to overcome. The other one I think that, you know, I had to deal with was the idea of debt and whether debt is good or bad. And that was a big struggle for me because, you know, having come from humble beginnings. So when I got to college and they're like, oh, get a t-shirt, just sign up for this credit card. I was like, oh, okay, I'll take two. You know what I mean? Like, and so here I am college student. <laughs> <laughs> college student, you know, like I don't, I mean, college jobs are not really, what are they paying, you know? So, but I was actually having no problem going down to the local, I don't think it was Walmart, but it was like some local store, like a Walmart and charging up stuff. And I realized like, okay, wait, I don't have enough money to actually pay for this, you know, and then seeing the bill come in with the interest. Right. So for me having to work to get myself out of that initial debt, you know, however small, but still, you know, it definitely had an impact mentally on me and the burden of like, oh my gosh, like I, bought all this stuff and I don't, you know, I'm going to have to work forever to kind of pay it off. And so having to transition from that to, you know, using debt in a good way for investments. And so I had to immensely, you know, when, when we first bought our first property, you know, and then the first rental and I was like, okay, we need to pay this one off <laughs> so that we don't have this debt hanging out, you know, and Obviously, yes, you can do that. It just takes longer. There's nothing wrong with that. But I really learned from my husband, you know, and lots of books that we read just on the benefits of using leverage, you know, so debt as a means of helping you to grow your wealth. And so that was the biggest kicker because once we started using it smartly, you know, not necessarily on things that would depreciate, but on assets that increase in value, our wealth grew exponentially. You know what I mean? And so that was, those were the two biggest things I had to overcome. Yeah. I think I went through two similar journeys, right? Like I've, I've had to overcome the scarcity mindset of, of there's not enough money to go around. And then also the, the debt thing I, I, you know, and I, and I recorded a podcast episode earlier that where I told the story of how I, I basically, lost a million dollars because I, I didn't follow, I, you know, I tried to do it without debt and, mm -hmm. and it just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Right. It's right. a, it's just a poorly run business. I learned really, really quickly in my MBA corporate finance class, that businesses run without leverage or debt are poorly run businesses and they're not ones you want to invest in. <laughs> they're, they're not going to produce the kind of returns that you are mm -hmm. looking for. And so that's, that's super cool. That's super cool. So let's pivot for a minute and let's talk about kids. So see how many kids do you have? I have three, three lovely little high energy, high spirited children. <laughs> and what are their ages? So I have an 11 year old, a nine year old and a seven year old. 
Okay. Okay. So Sia is in the elementary school years. I love it that like she's got all this, the elementary. I, some people call those the golden years because, you know, they're independent enough to take care of themselves. They could feed themselves if they needed to, right. but then they're not in the teenage years that, you know, some people dread. <laughs> you know, I have a different opinion. My teenagers are amazing. I love, love, love teenage, teenage life. But yeah, those elementary years, those are fun. So, since they're elementary age, what are you doing to really teach your kids about money, right? Financial education and wealth. How are you, how are you guiding them now in this, in this specific age? Well, we started out pretty early with our kids. We had a, like a, not a piggy bank, but more of a, it was a bank, but it had three different kind of slots for them. And one was about, you know, money that they could use to spend. And it was a slot for saving and a slot for giving. And so that was what we started with. So they knew that, okay, I have money that I could save for something I want. I have money that I can use to spend on, on whatever I, you know, you know, spend right away. And then I have money that I'm saving to give because we, we are very, you know, focused in our, in our, and intentional in our lives and recognize that, you know, we're blessed to have what we have. And so for us, giving is a, a means of giving thanks for that and also being able to help others. Right. And so, and maybe get them to where we are. And so that's been what we started from the beginning. So they always knew whenever they got some money, okay, go put it in your piggy bank and put it in each category. And we set up the percentages. They had 10% for giving, they had, you know, to save 30% and then the rest was fun money for them to kind of do whatever they wanted. So that was initially how we started. And then we just recently got a debit card for the kids and it's actually a group. It's a, a company called Green light. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So they just got it, which was great for us because we, you know, started to give them, you know, jobs to do and they had like chores and they would have the money saved and that kind of stuff. But now it's because it's digital and they have the little accounts and they can use it on a tablet or their phone, which is in the real phone because it just has email, no phone number. But they're <laughs> able to like, yeah, you know, we're able to assign them their jobs to do, their tasks to do. They have a place where they have goals. And so for us, it's been really great because they've been able to you know, initially it was like, okay, I just want to save money. Ooh, I have this. Okay. We're going to target. Can we purchase this? And I was like, okay, you really want to spend money at target on this? Okay. No problem. And then once we, you know, they had it for a while and I was like, oh, you guys should think of a big kind of goal you want. Like, isn't it something you really want to buy? You know? And they're like, oh, I want this. And I want that. I was like, okay, well, you know what? Set your goal and mom and dad will meet you halfway. So once you've done that. And so when they set their goal, they realized that because they've had the, the cards for, let's say a month, the money they had just spent randomly at target could have been going going towards their goal and they probably would have reached mm -hmm. it by now. <laughs> so it was great to kind of have that conversation with them to be like, listen, like you can't just have instant gratification. Like this goal is a nice goal. You know, one wants a bigger phone, one wants, you know, some Nintendo toy or whatever, you know, so those things, they cost money. We have no problem if you work for it to help you with that, but recognize that you have to make a choice each time, you know? And so when we go into the store, when you're looking online and you see Amazon has this, like you have to decide whether or not you want to sacrifice the big goal that you have for a little bit of pleasure right now. Like you have to determine which one makes is more important to you right now. So that's, that's what we've been doing. And it's been, it's been fun actually, you know, um, just for them in that sense. Right. And then of course, in terms of investing, we started with them because they've been with us to the rental properties. When I was, you know, actively a, a buyer's agent and listing agent, they came with us to the properties, you know, and they would give their little like, oh, this is kitchen is too small. And oh, we need a new bathroom, you know, kind of stuff. 
<laughs> so that's great. And they were helping us a little bit with the rentals and like, oh, this would be a great rental. And, you know, so we've had them all along the journey with us. And then they're coming right. with us on the, to see the properties, you know, when they were yeah. little, first looking at the, you know, the, the going with agents, us as agents and looking at the properties and giving their 10 cents. In some sense, it was like, when they were to be like, oh, this kitchen's too small. I'd be like, shh you know, this is not your house. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is the buyer's house. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, that kind of stuff. But it was still great because they got to just experience, you know, being in a home and evaluating it and seeing, you know, the benefits of home purchasing and having shelter and that kind of stuff and seeing what, you know, home buying can do for you or helping other people do that same thing. Right. And then, you know, as we started to pick up properties, they would come with us to look at the rentals that we picked up and give their two cents about the neighborhood or about, you know, like, oh, this is a nice street. I like the street, you know, like, oh, the grass needs to be cut, you know, like, oh, we should do this bathroom again. It's, you know, too small or something. So always giving their, you know, opinions on that, which was great. Cause then we, they got to see after we finished fixing it up and had someone move in, you know, they would be there through the whole process. So it was, it's a great way, I think for them to get the personal piece with the green light and their own financial kind of setup, right. And responsibilities, and then being able to transition that to something with investing where they could see, you know, how the properties, you know, we get renters in there and tenants live there make it their home and they pay the rent. And that gives mom and dad other income to be able to do things like go on trips with you guys. And so that's how we've been working with our kids so far. I love it. That's one of the reasons I really love real estate investing. There's, there's lots of reasons to love real estate, but, but with kids specifically, kids are very tangible. Like they, if you want them to learn about investing, Sure, you can buy them a stock certificate and you know, and maybe print it out, and so it looks like it's a real. But but buying a paper asset is just means not much to a child, right? right? But an right. actual physical asset where you're they're going, they can mm-hmm. they go and my kids are the same, and so now they're coming to the properties and they're they're doing the work, right? They're sheetrocking, they're laying the tile, they're you know yes. doing the baseboards and uh, all all the things. So it's very active, right? And you and I know, Sia, that it's it's not necessarily the most the most lucrative way to right. invest in real estate, right? Absolutely is is right. the active like putting in all of your time because your time. Right is very valuable. But to me, this is time well spent because Mm -hmm. it's time with my family. So we're there together. We're working on the house together. Sure. We're sweating and we're, you know, you know, causing ourselves to bleed, right? (laughs) If you you like have an accident here and there, you know, but it's really great memories that we're building mm-hmm. as well as we have amazing conversations while we are working about the properties and about why, you know, choices that we make. And just the other day, we're talking about countertops and and my daughter's like, well, maybe we need to have like this fancy granite countertop. And I'm, and I'm talking to her. I said, well, what, what, look at the neighborhood we're investing in. Is this a top of the line neighborhood or is this more of a just medium neighborhood or is it a low end neighborhood? So we looked around and, you know, and she's learning how, how to pick finishes according to the neighborhood, because you don't want to, there, there's no reason to go out and right. spend a ton of money because you can renovate a house in thir- with $30,000 or you can renovate a house with $200,000, but you have to renovate it according to your market according to where what you're going to be able to sell it for and so we have all these conversations and and she's you know my kids are just learning all of that as we as we go along so it's it's really cool it's very gratifying to to work together with with the kids but of course 
our really our money maker is in large multifamily, and that's where we're really building the wealth that the, you know for for that. But but the flipping is definitely a, a cool strategy for teaching for teaching children. And you want to hear something funny? I've had people yes. call me up, Camilla. Can you adopt my child for a while? <laughs> had offers for parents to, to have their kids come and, and, you know, intern with me for a month right. or something. I'm like, well, sure. Bring them all. What's, what's, what's one more, right? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah, I want to, uh, one of the things for this podcast is I really want people to come away with actionable steps. So mm-hmm. something that they can do today, like, and so what would be your best advice? Like what one actionable step would you encourage the, the listener to really take today to on their, to help them on their wealth mm-hmm. journey? So I think for me, the, the, when I realized kind of where I was in my location, really helped me figure out, okay, what, where I am, what I need to do to get to whatever my goal was. And so that t- step that I took, which was, you know, taking a look at my net worth, it's something that can be done really easily, right? You take all of your assets that you have, you take all the bills, expenses that you have, you subtract, and it gives you your net worth. And so it's not what you are worth as an individual, right? But financially, what where you are and where you stand financially in terms of the net worth. And what I noticed is that once we started doing that and tracking our net worth, we were able to see how different financial decisions, how that impacted our net worth, right? And how we could grow it and which ways it took away from our net worth. So buying a vehicle, you know, unless we needed one, like buying one doesn't help. You know, it actually, you know, the minute you take it off the lot, it's worth even less. So unless you need a vehicle, we didn't, you know, so that was a good decision, right? To figure it like, okay, looking at that and saying, okay, we don't really need a vehicle. Let's run this one into the ground. <laughs> and then when we don't have a vehicle and we don't want to walk, then we can buy one and, and deal with it there. And then taking those funds and doing something else. So buying an investment. Okay. So I might, you know, put down 20, 30%, then I'm, you know, have the net worth, the, the value of the, the house still to my benefit, I can fix it up, increase the value. And now my net worth is increased because of the, the en- en- effort I put into improving the property, you know, forced appreciation. And there I am, way to go. So for me, a monthly check of my net worth got me started on recognizing what kinds of st- you know, decisions I needed to make and how those decisions affected the goal that I set for myself of having whatever my net worth wanted to be. And so I think that's the easiest way because everyone can figure out, okay, here are all the bills I have, here are all the expenses, I liabilities that I have, you know, that I owe. And here's what I, I have in terms of my house is worth, my car is worth and that kind of stuff. And seeing that I think really helps people determine, you know, like gives a clear picture of like, okay, whoa, I, I have a lot of cash coming in, but I actually don't really have a lot of net worth because I have a lot of things going out. And so that I think is a great start to getting you focused on building your net worth and building your yeah. wealth. You make a good point there about, you know, you could have a ton of cash coming in. I know people who make three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year, but they're still broke right? They have no net worth because they, they end up spending it all. And so one of the, one of the tricks here to building wealth is actually keeping more than you're bringing in, you know, and, and keeping a lot of it, like try to keep half, try to keep half of what you're bringing in, in terms Mm -hmm. of cash flow, and then take that 
put it into an asset so that it doubles in five years, right? right. And that's easily achievable in right. in real estate, right? Mm-hmm. And you and I both know that because that's our that's our investment vehicle of choice, mm-hmm. right? It's it's easily achievable, right. and so that's I, I I love that. So let's talk a little bit more about net worth because mm-hmm. some people it's a kind of a mis- mysterious thing. Like, why would you want to increase your net worth? What what will that do for you? Well, for us, increasing our net worth gives us opportunities that we wouldn't have if we didn't have the net worth, right? And so, you know, having, well, one, it's always good because if something happens, you have something to fall back on. So me having a little bit of net worth, if I have an expense that shows up, an emergency medical kind of something, and I don't have other options, I can, you know, tap into my net worth in some form or fashion to help deal with whatever the crisis happens to be. So that's the first thing. And then as you continue to grow your net worth, you're able to in certain places, especially when it comes to investing, not just in real estate, but in a lot of other avenues, you're more open to opportunities because you have that certain net worth, you know, as an accredited investor, for example, you know, having a million dollars in net worth allows you, so you may not be bringing in the requirement financially in terms of income as an accredited investor, but having that net worth allows you to opens you up to opportunities, exposure to opportunities that can increase your net worth even more by investing in deals that you would never have had opportunity to because you don't have the net worth. And so for me, that was our biggest goal. Like I didn't even know as we were building our net worth about the whole accredited investor thing. And I was like, man, I could have been investing in this the whole time. (laughs) <laughs> Which is fine, you know, yes. you know, because I'm learning now and, you know, and I'm spreading the word about it, you know, as you are as well. Right. And so it's just amazing because some of these opportunities that are only, you know, only available to those who have increased net worth or a certain level of net worth. I mean, the the benefits are incredible, you know, being able to two X your money after a couple of years, as opposed to working maybe for 10 years to two X your money. So there's, there's that, there's a benefit to it. And that's, you know, why I find it to be most important as to why you want to build your net worth. Even if you don't necessarily want to invest in that, just having, having those options available to you, I think is the most important thing, you know, because who knows what's going to happen. And the more options you have available to you, the better you are to deal with that emergency or, or anything that comes your way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's about opening up your opportunities, you know, and, and I know, and I get it right. I I think you and I both probably struggled to get to our first million. And, and, and once we, once you get there, it becomes easier to acquire more, but getting to that first million is, is tricky. And, and it is, and it definitely requires sacrifice and and delayed gratification. Like, Mm -hmm. like we talked about with, even with the kids, your story with your children, teaching them delayed gratification, because, this is not get rich quick. We are not in a get rich quick thing, right? Like we we have chosen right. real estate as our mm-hmm. as our method to accumulate wealth, but real mm-hmm. estate's not get rich quick. It definitely takes takes a long time. Oh man, you can get you can get very wealthy if you continue going along in in real estate and in investing absolutely. in real estate. And but you just have to be willing to wait for it. Right. You know? Absolutely. And yeah. and so it's 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 so great. It's so great. Well, Sia, thank you so much. It's been so fun chatting with you. And how can people get in touch with you? Okay, Camilla, this was great. I love this. This was one I'm so happy. You know, I love talking to you anyway. So and this was a great conversation. <laughs> I you can reach me at my website, the arrowheadcap.com. I'm on LinkedIn. So you can check with me there. And I'd love to say hello. 
Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. It just, you know, it just makes my heart so happy to have, that. Uh, you know, just to have two women here just talking about building wealth and finances. And, it, you know, it's something that I didn't find for a long time in my, in my life. And, and so I'm just really passionate about helping other women just get there. Like, let's get there together and let's, and let's create impact together because you're right. What you said a couple of times that, that, that the more wealth you can build, the greater impact you can have. And I just, just, and I just know there's women out there that are going to do amazing things as they as they build their wealth. And I just can't wait to see it happen. So, so happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining us for the Quiet Wealth Podcast. Please, please share this episode with a friend. You know that they need help just as much as you do. And that's what we're all here for. We're all here to really connect with each other and to help each other. We need to share the wealth and let's get it going. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us on the Quiet Wealth Podcast. If you want more, head on over to camillajeffs.com slash podcast to get the show notes and dive into other juicy episodes. While you're there, be sure to grab the free guide to building wealth. And if you know a friend who is struggling with money, please send this episode to them. Let's share the wealth in as many ways as we can. Until next time, wishing you much success.